genre. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tales from the Short Box. My name is Adam Sheehan, and I'm here today, as always, with Sean Petit. What's up? And RJ Veit. Heyo. Casey is unfortunately not here today. She's currently trapped in the astral plane. We wish her the best of luck returning to our realm safe and sound. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us on the show. Uh, we are joined by the writer of one of our favorite uh, new books by Marvel, uh, Black Cat. Please welcome Jed McKay. Hey, how's it going? Insert Hello. thunderous applause. Yeah, put that in in post, I guess. <laughs> so again, well, also, you know, we said this, but thank you for for joining us. We're really excited to sit down and talk with you, and um, you know, just talk about yeah. comics and you know stuff that you've been working on. So I guess one of the big things like we've noticed, uh, I know RJ has been talking about Black Cat and uh, Taskmaster and stuff. He's getting really excited, but like, how did you end up getting involved with Marvel in the first place? It's uh, well, it's it's a bit of a, a long story. I, like I've, I've pulled it a fair amount of times, but I'm happy to tell it again. Um, I've been working for Marvel like steadily, and you know, getting series and stuff for uh, going on two and a half, three years now. But prior to that, my first Marvel work was a little over ten years ago now. Uh, back in like back in like the early to mid two thousands, I was. Uh, you know, I was really keen on comics and I was really thinking like, oh, I'm going to you know, make my own comics. I'm going to write them. I'm going to draw them. I'm going I'm to be like, you know, Paul Pope or something. And uh, it, was a, it was a great time for that because it was like a, the message board kind of culture around comics was really jumping. Um, this is before most of the social media that we, you know, sort of know of now as uh, before Reddit. And yeah, like, you know, bulletin board systems, uh, message boards were really big. I was involved with uh, a few of them. Most notably uh, was Enter Void. Um, so there were a lot of, a lot of like, young creators who were at that point where they're reaching out and, you know, making things and sharing them, sharing them with people and like networking. And uh, it was a really interesting, exciting time. Um, and it soon became apparent that I couldn't draw well enough to uh actually can draw well enough and certainly can draw fast enough uh, to make comics but i hooked up through the message boards with uh, my friend sheldon bella who's uh, is an artist uh, out of australia and we just kind of started making comics together and they're like really really like stupid crass comics like you would make in your in your early 20s but uh we were doing that for a while you know trying to get noticed and sheldon did get noticed because he's an exceptional artist so marvel brought him in to do uh, some anthology stories for them, for the, their anthology books. Uh, and then about you know ten years ago, it would have been the the fall of 2010. Uh, they brought him in to do a story for X Men: Serve and Protect, which was an X Men character matched up with a non X Men character, and they have eight pages of adventure. Now Sheldon brought me in to write it because he realized he didn't know anything about any of these characters. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, so was like, hey, you know about this like superhero bullshit, right? I'm like, yeah, I know about that superhero bullshit. So that was my first job. We did an eight-page Dazzler and Daughters of the Dragon team up called Disco Highway. It was uh, like a interdimensional roller derby kind of thing. And uh, yeah, like it was, it was a lot of fun. So I thought, well, this this is great. I've got my foot in the door. Like, let's let's try and get some more work. And 
basically got nothing for four years. Uh, then after that, they, they contacted us for, to do another eight-page anthology story for uh, uh, Spider-Verse. And so we, we've got this you know, punk Spider-Man character. We don't know anything about him. We don't know his secret identity. Why don't you guys just go and give us a little eight-page story, give us some background on this character? So we did that. It was pretty well received. People liked it. And we thought, okay, this is it. You know, we're going to... Uh, we're going to parlay this into this sort of, you know, positive reception into, into more work, you know, get some steady work. Uh, we had some ideas, we put them out there. Anyways, didn't hear any, it didn't hear anything for another four years. Jeez. And then, and then finally, uh, a few years ago, they were doing Spider-Geddon, and they had the Spider-Geddon sort of anthology series where, you know, single issues focusing on uh, the different spider people through the multiverse or whatever. And they said, well, you want to do this issue for you know, the Hobie Brown Spider-Punk character again. And Sheldon couldn't do it because he had you know, other commitments. I said, well, I'll do it. And that just kind of went from there. From there, we got, I got the Daughters of the Dragon. Uh, they needed someone to kind of step in and get something done, turn something around pretty quick just because the, the way the plan shook out. So yeah, I did Daughters of the Dragon, which got me into doing uh, Daredevil Man Without Fear, Ghost Panther. And then that led into Black Hat. Nice. Um, yeah, so I guess it, you know, kind of answer what we were going to talk about, like the process of getting involved with Black Cat. Um, like so far, like what what's has been your like favorite uh, Marvel character that you've written so far? Um, I think, like generally, I, I kind of find that my favorite character is the one that I'm writing at the time. Uh, that <laughs> sort of. When you're getting into the script and you're getting into that character's head, you build sort of like a, a weird relationship with a person that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that right, then they become your favorite character. Uh, sometimes it's more difficult. Some characters are more difficult than others. Uh, like, for instance, Black Cat and Taskmaster, I find almost like really easy to write mm-hmm. because just the way those characters are, things they do, the sort of uh, mindset they have, something I find interesting and easy to work with. Whereas other characters I've, I've had a little more difficulty trying to like find a voice for, or trying to really sort of mesh with their motivations. But yeah, like, you know, like, I think I wrote four or five Taskmaster and Black Hat scripts combined uh, last, last January. Not, not the most recent January, the January before last, because I was just like, I'm on a roll here. I got these all figured out. I can just, uh, you know, you just kind of turn on the tap and it comes out. Right. Whereas, you know, other books, it's just, it's not as easy. Yeah, their, their personalities are just so strong and you write them really well. Oh, thank uh, you. I, I imagine Felicia is like a ton of fun, right? Yeah, for sure. Like it's, it took a little while to kind of fully figure out, because I mean, to, to write a character and like, you basically have to construct them in your brain and, yeah. you know, almost like a simulation. So you, you'll know what they do next. Uh, you'll yeah, know like, what, they, what they'll say. Like once the character is strong enough, they're going to tell you how to write the script. Yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah, so you can kind of you kind of construct these characters and then let them run and you just sort of write down what they're doing uh, yeah. as as they do it. And so for Felicia, that was you know it was a lot of fun. It's I think she's she's a character who um, I th- I find really interesting. Uh, I think her way of addressing problems or addressing situations uh, i find really entertaining 
So in writing, I find it comes fairly naturally at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I love that the the way you pace the book, like it, there's a big overarching story that's really interesting, but then also each arc is kind of like a, you're able to keep it true to the character and just keep it like a heist book somewhat. And it, it's really well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's like that was one of the um, kind of touchstones we wanted to hit when we started the series. In that, like, I mean, you guys are a comic book podcast. You know that a lot of these new series don't last beyond five issues. Right. And we were when it started. I, you know, I asked the editor, I'm like, hey, what, what should we sort of plan here? He's like, well, if we're lucky, we'll get ten issues. Like, you know, let's let's aim to get those ten issues, and then that way, if that's what we're planned for. We get canceled at ten. You know, we can just leave it, leave it, and call it a job well done. So, I really wanted to never let up on the gas on the series. Like, just really kind of build momentum and build momentum, where we have our overarching story, but there's something in each issue for somebody to like really chew on to. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like super. Uh, decompressed storytelling it's i mean it's like you know some people really like it some people are really good at it i don't think it's something that i'm particularly good at i like to because i I grew up on a lot of you know 60s 70s comics where you get an issue of a comic you get a story or like maybe it's a two-part two-parter but you're not in like part four of six and you're kind of like well I paid five bucks for this comic and nothing really happened. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I really try and try to like give people bang for their buck. I, I like, I like too how, how you've been able to infuse comedy into these stories too. Like you have this full throttle heist going on, but like every beat is funny. Like you, mm-hmm. like some mm-hmm. laugh out loud moments. Like I, I, I've really been enjoying that with Black Hat and Taskmaster. Yeah, and I think that's that just kind of speaks to the kind of comics I like to read a lot of the time. Uh, like you know, I, I like a joke. I like uh, I like people acting, perhaps not totally professionally. Uh, you know, <laughs> people a little too consumed in their self interest to the point that it's making their lives difficult. Well, that goes back to the personality thing with Felicia mm-hmm. and Taskmaster. They're perfect for getting you know, serious heist stuff, but also being funny or witty or what have you. Yeah. And the thing that Taskmaster and Felicia share is that they're both kind of shitty. Taskmaster much more so than Felicia, of course. But like, you know, Felicia is, Felicia has a good heart and, uh, you know, isn't out there to directly hurt people or be malicious, but she's also doing things based on her own self-interest and the things that she wants. You know, she's always after excitement. She's after a thrill. She's after trying to do things that no one else can do, whether for reputation or just simple sort of self-satisfaction. And that self-interest and the sort of problematic nature of that self-interest is something I find very entertaining to work with because it's something that is immediately relatable to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of that shines through in both, like Taskmaster saying, like that that type of attitude is really shining through with every issue, um, and on top of everything else, just being action packed, um, funny. Like you said, you're given 
you're given something to 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 chew on the the whole issue, every issue, and it's great. So you're definitely yeah. hitting that mark for sure. <laughs> and like Taskmaster is a character I really enjoy because he's he's extremely good at good at what he does, but I also really enjoy the fact he's you know kind of a coward. Mm. He's like he understands when he's outmatched and he gets scared by it, which is you don't see people get scared of things that they shouldn't be scared of in com- in like superhero comics that much. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think it's, I mean, it's from my perspective, kind of a, ref- a refreshing, entertaining thing where you got this guy in this ridiculous costume and he's got, you know, he can take almost anybody out, but at the same time, he's like, man, I'm going to get killed doing this. I ain't doing this. Forget this. <laughs> and so he, but but with his back up against the wall, he has to go through with these plans that have a very good chance of leaving him dead at the end. Yeah. So he'll do it, but he doesn't like it. Right, exactly. Yeah, which I think it makes him very, like, like I think you're saying, like very human, very relatable in that Extremely way. Extremely relatable. Most of the things I have to do, I don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, whether it's like go to the day job or like get your ass with my Hyperion, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I love the Bottom. like where the the situation becomes like how do I get out of here alive? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's like that's that's the thrust of the whole series where he's in a spot where he's basically has like, you know, the terminator after him. Like, you know, the Black Widow is coming to kill him. Right. And it's not like it's not like Captain America. Like Captain America's not gonna just kill him out of hand. Even Hyperion wasn't gonna just murder him. Whereas the Black Widow's like, no, I'm I'm gonna kill you, Taskmaster. <laughs> right. Like she's not a, she's not a superhero. She's a super assassin, right? Yeah, definitely invokes that fear and everything that he's <laughs> trying to do. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't help too that like you know Nick Fury wants him to do something for him. So Nick Fury is going to basically stoke his fear as much as possible. So as far as uh, with like Black Cat and Taskmaster, what's it like writing these almost standalone stories that you've started? Um, and then having them tie into other events, whether it be like King and Black with Black Cat or potentially even like uh, the MCU with, with Taskmaster being part of that uh, once the Black Widow movie comes out. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a different goal with both with each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for King and Black, that was the first time we really locked into anybody else's story in Black Cat. We kind of left alone in our own corner to you know, mess around and uh, bother superheroes. But with King of Black, we kind of got, you know, pushed right into the center stage there. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, an interesting experience. Black Hat was on hiatus after the, you know, the, after the effects COVID had on the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, got the call, said, okay, we're going to put Black Hat back in production. So I think I had, uh, one, two, had five scripts in the can. Uh, when we went into shutdown. So I was, you know, still pretty far ahead to say, okay, well, we're going to start with a new number one. Um, and we also have to start with a three part King of black, uh, you know, crossover event, whatever tie in. So that was, I, it was, it was a difficult experience. There's a lot of challenges there just because mm-hmm. I'd never written, uh, an event tie in as part of my main book with it also being a new number one. So it kind of had you know three goals I had to hit where it has to be a new number one, so it has to introduce new readers to the character and give them a reason to care about her and you know get them interested in the story. 
also has to serve as a continuation of Black Cat for previous readers. So, you know, saying, here's all the stuff we had set up. It's still going. Here's these characters you used to see. They're still here. But it also had to be a King of Black thing. So had to provide enough information so if someone was not reading King of Black, that they would know what's going on. But also couldn't just be a rehash of what was happening in King of Black number one. So it was there were a lot of needles to thread on that one. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it came off pretty well. But uh, it was certainly was a challenge uh, trying to get get all those balls in the air. So did you construct the the Doctor Strange heist yourself? Yep. Yep. Okay. Basically, yeah, I talked to. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, in part, uh, okay. the doc. That was sorry. I thought you meant the Doctor Strange heist from the the first volume. Um, the Doctor Strange being kidnapped was kind of a one of the loose threads that was in the outline, Donnie's outline at the time. Okay. And that was actually earmarked by a Nick, my editor, to say this this could be a good um, you know good Black Hat thing because mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out where Black Hat could slot into this event. You know, hopefully by picking up one of the threads that was set up in King of Black number one. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I remember being cu- curious just how, because I, I remember seeing the solicits for um, the book and just wondering how she was going to play into the event. And then by the first issue, I mean, I had already loved the series before that, but I was like, all, all right, I'm in. I, I don't <laughs> go for cross like tie-ins a ton, but uh, King of sure. had a bunch of strong ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, uh, they, they got pretty much every corner pulled in there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I love that you were able to do a heist and just you, you made it made it rock. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I described it on the episode of like Fast and Furious, but, you know, Black Cat. But with, but with spider the spider mobile. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. best in the best way. Yeah. The uh, the spider buggy I was very pleased with. Um, <laughs> my, the, my original first run of that outline had them basically doing that heist the same way, but they had uh, a Quinjet that they had ripped off. Oh, and nice. I, and I, I took a look at the outline. I'm like, well, well, why do we need this Quinjet? Like, that's, that's cool and all, but we've got the spider buggy already set up for the first issue. Let's just use that. <laughs> yeah, why not? If you got it, use it. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's a hell of a lot more fun than a Quinjet. You got a ton of <laughs> mileage out of that thing. Oh, man, it is beat to shit at the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> Spider- <laughs> I hope Spider-Man's got insurance. <laughs> you know he doesn't. Hey, of course he doesn't. Yeah. Well, we got all those Geico ads in Marvel Comics. Maybe he's got Geico. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe they'll cut him a deal. Yeah. Yeah, if he's lucky. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Like, it's it's all just that kind of like trying to keep up the momentum, keep up that uh, you know inertia in a story and spraying it over. Because I'm, I'm usually I'll write uh, two arc ish, two arc sorry two issue arcs or um, just single issues. And this one was three, so I had to like pace it a little differently. But you know, the idea is just try to just keep ramping it up um, from issue to issue. So you know, issue one got all the King of Black stuff. A giant uh, dragon crashes through the ceiling. Now uh, we got a spider buggy, and at the end, it's like we're going to steal Doctor Strange, and then we got to you know bump it up for the next issue. So we got like her anti venom suit. We got that's the ghost dog. We got. Uh, Spider buggy, you got a goblin glider and all that shit. <laughs> and then, uh, then the, the fragment of the Yggdrasil staff from uh, Johnny's Doctor Strange run. 
mm-hmm. and then uh, to set that up for the third issue. And then third issue is uh, a lot of stuff going on there too, which you'll see in what a week and a half. Nice. I'm so excited. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, you've already added this much in there. Like, what's left? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're we're going to get into some feelings. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. But uh, and I mean, it's it, it looks great. Like uh, CFIA has been drawing this arc. Is he says the number three is his favorite one. Yeah. So awesome. there's, there's there's plenty in store. Sweet. Yeah, his work is gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, when Nick, I sent him my scripts for um, issues eleven and twelve, and uh, Nick was like, "Oh, I've got this this guy CFIA." To draw it, I'm like, oh, that's, that sounds really familiar. I've been place his name, and I was like, oh shit, I really liked. I was a fan of his art from like 2015. He did a bunch of uh, illustrations for the uh, Feng Shui Two role playing game manual. I was like, oh man, that's great. I actually like. I really like this guy's art, unrelated to comic books. Mm-hmm. So he came on to do the uh, the Iron Man uh, heist art, was which was really great, and then. Um, yeah, like his work for the the King of Black arc has been like just to see that like exponential leveling up as he goes on. Amazing. Yeah, awesome. I've been uh, been talking to him a little bit through email because I'm trying to get a commission because uh, I collect mm-hmm. Emma Frost stuff. So. <laughs> oh yeah, well he did a good one. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. So speaking of getting more mileage out of the spider buggy, um, <laughs> and and if you're not busy enough already, you have another new book, Avengers Mech Strike, that just came out, and I noticed yep. there was a spider buggy reference in there. Just wondering, like, how did uh, how did that come to fruition? Because uh, just it kind of ticked a lot of boxes that are non Marvel boxes. So I was just curious what maybe some of the inspiration was there. Uh, it, it's it was a project that was kind of fully well, the concept was fully formed already on the editorial side. Okay, so it would have been in the the spring. Guy uh, got an email saying, "Hey, we're doing this Avengers Next Strike thing. Um, here's these designs. Here's the gist. The Avengers have robot suits. Uh, <laughs> do, do you want to do it?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." Uh, like ex- accepting the the setup of the Avengers having robot suits is great. Uh, also, I was like, "I have literally no other books to write right now." So yes, I will absolutely <laughs> do this. <laughs> so basically, my job was to figure out why. Uh, the Avengers need these robot suits. What kind of uh, hoops can we make them jump through with them? Um, and it was it was a really interesting challenge because a I'd never written a team book before. Like the closest I got was like Daughters of the Dragon, mm-hmm. and that's just two people. Um, and b I'd never written a book at that sort of power level. Like I'm used to like Taskmaster or Black Hat or like you know Daughters or uh, Daredevil, you know. Mm-hmm. These are people who, like, if you shoot at them, that's a threat. Whereas most of the Avengers, if you shoot at them, they will eat the bullet and then laugh. <laughs> right. Especially so, in a giant vibranium suit. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, <laughs> Black Hat, I have a, you know, a threat of, like, you know, Xander, Xander the fucking Merciless, who is not really going to be a threat to the entire Avengers. So you gotta, right. you got to really just level things up. Like, you got to come up with a big problem for them to deal with. Mm-hmm. Not just like a Jamoke with a bad attitude and a bit too much power. <laughs> so that was uh, it. Was a real kind of paradigm shift that uh, I hadn't really experienced. Like I wrote 
absolute carnage weapon plus the, the weapon h carnage thing which was a big jump where like i think there's a bit where a bus comes through a wall of a warehouse at weapon h i'm like shit how's he gonna get out of this one i was like wait no he's, he's weapon h he'll just catch the bus it's not a big deal <laughs> like this, this this would be a problem for taskmaster it's not gonna be a problem for a, like a hulk with wolverine claws you know right <laughs> you see to really shift like what the obstacle is going to be like you said because you yeah. just haven't written this power level i think i like that being said like i think you did a great job with that because these biomechanical monsters you created are terrifying um i mean the the credit for that's got to go to carlos though like it's very easy for me to write you know there's a giant biomechanoid it's gribbly and gnarly looking and carlos is like oh yeah you know hold my beer watch this shit (laughs) and it's just like just this horrible monster he puts on the page yeah the credit credit to carlos because that those things are terrifying yeah, it's it's quite the uh, it's quite the monster. When I got the pages back, I was like, "Oh, okay, well, you you really rose to the occasion there." Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, good. First, yeah. Oh, first, God, I was sorry. like, I, I, I was like, I'm really hoping I'm kind of getting the idea across here because a lot of times when you're trying to deal with things in a large scale in comic book art, a lot you know some artists have have difficulty with that where things don't look like they're occupying the scale they should. It just looks like a character rendered normally and all the buildings are really small mm-hmm. but the way carlos does it like it's you you're there you know you get that 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 sense of scale and that sense of impact the sense of consequence mm-hmm. and uh yeah he, just, he really nailed that yeah i thought this was a ton of fun and kind of talking about what you're doing with black cat and taskmaster like you got a lot in issue one and it's just ready like you've you've lit the fuse and it's going to go off soon <laughs> oh thank you I, I like how we didn't waste any time with building the mechs or getting them or it's just like oh we have mechs <laughs> like, let's just get let's just get to it yeah i mean there's there's no need to play coy at this point right uh, <laughs> i mean so, some people i were were annoyed that they didn't actually get into the mechs at the end and i'm just like come on man like <laughs> i'm already cutting cutting to the chase a lot here like give me a break well you know <laughs> Batman has a plan to murder all the Justice League, and Iron Man yeah. has spare suits for everyone. It's yeah, I mean, it's he's got right. tons of free time and tons of money. I don't think he sleeps much, right? <laughs> and if he does, he's got all that automation. He's just having build it on the back, you know, just in case people lose their powers. They need giant mech suits. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he quit drinking. He's something to occupy his time, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. All right. So speaking of writing all these, like, so like, what's like the what's kind of like the day in the life of jed as far as like your how you write stuff you know what what gets cranked up in the background like mini music or anything that you maybe do while you're writing uh to kind of get kind of get in that mood uh it kind of depends like my my routines change a lot obviously due to covid mm. Pre- previously you know i get up in the morning i take my wife to work uh go from there with the dog for a walk and then come home and then this is kind of like grind away all day uh you know now my wife is working from home mm-hmm. uh we have a small apartment so we're both just sitting in the living room and she's on sitting on the couch i'm sitting on the chair and um i mean basically i just sit in my chair and work on stuff whether it's outlining or researching or you know at, doing actual script writing or uh you know going over lettering drafts you know making sure everything works is okay so it's a pretty 
it's not a terribly interesting schedule. And it's not a terribly set down schedule. It's just kind of like stuff happens that happens. Right. Uh, get a lot of work done in the, in the afternoons and evenings, I find. I don't know why, but it seems to be my most productive period. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it, really. Like I'll, I'll plug in my, my earbuds and find something on Bandcamp to listen to, and uh, you know, away we go. What's at the top of your playlist recently with, with all the books you've been writing? Oh, jeepers, let's take a look. <laughs> let's go right to my Bandcamp and see what I've been listening to. <laughs> Because I really like Bandcamp because I, I can just click something and buy it and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, lately I'm listening to Milo's Planes, which is uh, out of Bristol, I believe. Uh, Liquids. Sweeping Promises. But yeah, like it's, I'll, I'll find some there, just kind of like go on a, a YouTube algorithm hole and uh, you know, never really know what's going to pop up. You know, you start listen to one thing or another and then it inevitably turns into uh, some white supremacist ranting. Whoa. Well, good old YouTube I mean, algorithm. I mean, like not, not really, but uh, that, that does seem to be the, the YouTube algorithm direction. I've had that happen <laughs> as an ad on something I was watching. Like I was just watching something passively and then like an ad popped up and it was just this white supremacist rant, ranting. I mean, why is this an <laughs> ad that I've seen? Hmm. Like, wow, I guess that's money well spent, guys. Uh, I don't even think he was selling anything. He was just like (laughs) ranting about feminism. Trying to sell you pills, probably. (laughs) I mean, it probably was supplements. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get some supplements. These these guys love love running their supplements. (laughs) So now that you kind of dipped your toe in a little, a bunch of these bigger pools with the Marvel characters, is what's the, um, is there a character, Marvel, DC, any character out there that you would love to write? Oh yeah, I mean, there's lots of them out there. Um, I've, I mean, I'm always I mean, I'm Canadian, so I always want to always want to take another shot at Alpha Flight. Um, nice. I was really I was really lucky. I got to do one of the stories in the Alpha Flight anthology book that came out a little while ago. Um, uh, I mean, granted, that's that's a bit of a a unicorn though, in that Alpha Flight cannot sell books to save their lives, apparently. <laughs> so. The idea got, of uh, an Alpha Flight ongoing or even an Alpha Flight mini, I think it seems <clears throat> fairly unlikely. Mm-hmm. We got a kick out of that shout to Alpha Flight and Taskmaster. Yeah, which I actually forgotten that Taskmaster appeared in um, the 2011 Alpha Flight series. Oh. He was uh, <laughs> apparently was was old pals with Puck. But that, uh, yeah, I, I try to I try to get you know. Get my, get my faves in when I can. Uh, nice. A couple of year or two ago, I was on a quest to get Ulysses Bloodstone in as many books as possible. <laughs> so I had him in, uh, put him in my Alpha Flight story. Uh, he was in the Black Fox backup, Black Hat number one, and I uh, actually did a, a Bloodstone story in uh, Bizarre Adventures, uh, that uh, anthology book that came out, I don't remember, uh, October, I think. <laughs> October of last year, uh, but yeah, like it's always. I always want to get back to Daughters of the Dragon. Uh, those that was my first series I did. I really love those characters. Um, yeah, there's just kind of a lot out there. As far as DC stuff goes, I mean, I guess I always I've had like a back pocket Aquaman thing, which I don't know if 
fit at all in modern continuity anymore. But it's one of those <laughs> things I always kind of had the, the back of my head that I'm like, I was working at like a grocery store and needed something to occupy my time. So I would think of characters that people disdained or didn't like and like as a mental exercise, make up a pitch for them. And that was one of them that I really liked that I came up with in the, the produce section. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's a cool exercise. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to do something when you're stacking zucchinis. It's not, yeah, uh, that's it's not the most intellectually taxing work, you know. <laughs> you just that, that's a, make shapes. That's a cool mentality, though, because like you can hate on these characters as much as you want. And they're they're kind of punchable characters, but then to to go out of your way to go like, okay, how can I make this character awesome? Like, like what would I have to do? <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. I, I feel like I probably do it less now than I used to now that I'm actually spending my time making comic books. But yeah, like years ago, that was a thing I would do a lot. I was bored at work where I'd say, here's a thing that nobody likes. Well, not nobody likes, but like uh, there was a period of time. I remember uh, the message board I was on, everybody was just really shitting on Teen Titans for whatever reason. I was like, well, what would I do if I could do a Teen Titans book or like, you know, People, people tell a lot of jokes about Aquaman, which I think is probably largely unfair. But I think, well, what would I do with an Aquaman book? And you know, a lot of that stuff just goes nowhere. But you write it down, and ultimately you may find something to do with these ideas. It may not be Aquaman, it may not be Teen Titans. But mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the brain work you've done in the past is always useful to be cannibalized for something else. Hey, could you see like potentially some of those manifesting in like a uh, creator-owned type title, not necessarily with one of the you know big properties that are out there, but something that kind of manifests from characters that are similar, but not quite Alpha Flight or Aquaman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's stuff where like I don't think I would want to go do a creator-owned and then do a you know a superhero thing because mm-hmm. it's. A, that's already territory that's pretty well trod by, uh, you know, Marvel and DC. And right. B, you know, the indie superhero thing has also been pretty well trod upon by, uh, you know, stuff like Invincible and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can take parts of those ideas and recycle them and vice versa. Um, in Daughters of the Dragons, a character Rutherford Winter, who was a character I'd made up for another just a comic I wanted to make up. And I was like, well, I can take this character and use him in this. Uh, like, you know, a secret agent that's had so many cover identities, they don't know what their actual identity is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like it's, it's just, it makes it worth your time to take down notes because you never know. An idea will never go to waste. Right? Uh, you, can, you can always find something to do with these ideas at some point. And writing it down doesn't cost you anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a good mentality to work into because you never know when you're going to get an assignment for a character that you might not like or you might not have much of a connection to, but you've already kind of stretched those muscles of, okay, well, how do I write a character I don't like? You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'll, you'll never hear me say, oh, I, I got this job. I didn't like this character. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that, that's bad business. But yeah, for sure. I mean, like you're not going to... I mean, I've been I've been quite lucky with the assignments that I've managed to land, and that they're all you know they're pretty much all characters I really like and uh, I'm really interested in. But you know, sometimes you 
you're given something and say, hey, you want to do this? And you don't turn down work. And uh, you say, yeah, sure, I, I can do that. I'll figure that out. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you got you to be ready to work not just with your faves, you know? Right. So I guess, you know, when you're not writing comics, um, I figured sometimes you probably read them. So what are some of your favorite polls or favorite books that you're potentially reading right now? Ah, uh, let's see. I picked up, picked up Homesick Pilots number three today. That's a great book. That book is yeah, awesome. I've, been, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I liked their book Limbo they did a few years ago. Um, it was, has some really interesting ideas and looks like a really interesting book. And I'm really, I'm, I'm psyched to see that play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the leveled up version, basically, in Homesick Pilots. Mm-hmm. And like Casper's work uh, on um, Thunderbolt with uh, Kieran Gillen last year, a couple years ago, was, it was just such good, good cartooning that uh, I was really hyped to see Homesick Pilots come out. Um, otherwise, I've also got uh, Sea Soros I've been really enjoying. Yeah, we've, been, um, we've been reading that too. That's both becoming quick favorites of of us of ours over here. Can't get enough yeah, of either one. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Rich Duick's a friend of mine, and uh, I'm really really psyched to see his work. And like, I, I said in one of his poll quotes for something that like I come from an island in the Atlantic, Canada, and it's just that that cold, miserable, bleak maritime horror. I'm like, yeah, I, I can feel that. I can get into that. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely um, captures that pretty well. Yeah, and it's just like all these people are horrible and they're ugly <laughs> and they're all going to get what's coming to them because they're terrible. But you know, like, <laughs> yep. these, these, th- th- that's all you have. They're all, they're all you're going to get. So you got to hope that they somehow get through even though you know they're not going to. Right. Yeah, like you, you want to root for them, but also like most of you doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like who else are you going to root for? Right. Yeah, the monsters. Yeah, yeah, like they're on a boat. There's no no one else is coming. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've been enjoying that. Oh, what else have I been reading lately? This was a little while ago, but um, Red Fork from uh, TKO, I really like. It's kind of like a Appalachian coal mining horror that uh, was really great. Yeah, I picked that up. I haven't gotten a chance to get to it yet. <laughs> Yeah, equally equally miserable. Not on a boat, but in a mine, <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah, it was it was great, and the art was great in it too. So yeah, I was kind of picking up stuff here and there, mm-hmm. but uh, and then you know I do a lot of just you know back issue reading. I'm always researching and sure. trying to track stuff down and figure stuff out, or like you know find runs here and there to to see what these characters were doing or this or that. So it's a lot of some modern stuff and then just like a lot of a lot, lot of digging into the back issues mm-hmm. see what you can use see what's out there maybe characters you and everyone yeah. else forgot about yeah and it's it's something i really like to do is kind of just see what hidden gems are there and just like brush them off and bring them to the fore because mm-hmm. a lot of times you can just make up a new character and do something you want to do but there's something satisfying in finding something finding a character that's been you know laying fallow for 30 years and you know, bringing them back and saying like, here's, here's a character that's going to fulfill this role. He's someone or she is someone or they are someone who has already existed and we're bringing them back in here. I find it's, it's useful because it roots the story in the Marvel universe. Right. Uh, in, uh, in, in Black Hat number two and three, you got uh, Xander the Merciless. 
where I was, I knew they needed some, you know, kind of shitty magician to help them break into Doctor Strange's place. I was like, well, I could make someone up, but I think it would probably make the Marvel Universe feel more lived in if you can dig up someone from the past. So it was basically, right. was, my eyes were going bloodshot going through the uh, Marvel fandom wiki list of magicians. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, staring at these tiny uh, thumbnail, uh, you know, profile shots and names. I'm like, oh, that name sounds cool. I guess I'll click it. They know that guy's dead. Like, uh, <laughs> oh no, she turned good. Or, oh no, this character only existed in like, uh, you know, the pre Marvel Universe monster books. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, going, going to go with Moondark the Magician because he just looked kind of, like kind of a piece of shit. Uh, then I came across Xander. I'm like, no, this guy's perfect. And then uh, you also got to use Condra. Yeah, yeah. Right before but, uh, she got murdered. <laughs> or yeah. whatever happened to all the externals. Yeah, I mean, Kandra only appeared in, uh, in Flashback anyway. Yeah. But uh, actually, I really liked what Travel did with her, too. Even that weird, like, the weird flat hood thing. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. It was a great look. Like, Travel was really great for uh, kind of these like weird alien sort of costuming details. Right, and his you Animal know, Man run is amazing. oh yeah, like his when he's drawing like the weird gribbly shit, it's just like no one can touch him. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you know, obviously, we've been talking about the the main main books that you've been going right now. Uh, is there anything coming up? that you can share that maybe hasn't, you know, we don't necessarily know about or something you're, you've been working on that you can sh- give us a little teaser for, if not, it's fine, but just figured we have to ask. Yeah, for sure. Um, so black hat's still going Pathmaster, master. Mm-hmm. I think the last two issues come out next month. Um, next strike just started up. I uh, have a couple other, like a Marvel mini and a Marvel ongoing that have not been announced yet. I'm really excited to talk about when they do. Cool. I can't really say anything at this point in time. Uh, but in April, my uh, Magic Gathering series starts up. Boom. Awesome. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. We've been working on that uh, you know, all summer up till now. Uh, it's been really interesting. I was, I was really into Magic when I was a kid. Then mm-hmm. kind of lapsed. And they emailed me to see, like, hey, do you want to do this project? I'm like, well, sure. And, man, let me tell you, Trying to sift through superhero continuity is a lot easier than trying to sift through uh, collectible card game continuity. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> Flavor oh, text. And... <laughs> oh, man. Go- going through their wikis, it's just like, then this thing happened, then this thing happened, this character. It's like, holy shit, man. Like, and then I realized, like, oh, yeah, I haven't played this, I haven't, like, played this game for, like, 20 years. That's, that's probably why it's all built up. Oh, yeah. Right. right. But, uh, but, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been kind of looking back at old stuff that I, you know, the sets that were out when I was a kid and the, uh, you know, the characters and stuff like that. And then how things have changed and the new status quo. So it's been really interesting getting into that world and then like developing a story set there. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a good time. So I think, I hope people will, uh, hope people will enjoy it. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, it's unfortunately can't talk about, but we know we got some more Marvel projects coming. So, you know, you got me excited and then, you know, we we talk yeah. about boom all the time, and I'm well definitely have to check out that magic book. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good. It's uh, I'm it's it's kind of refreshing to get out of the, get out of the Marvel universe for a little bit, kind of like mm-hmm. uh, you know, flex a different set of muscles. Mm-hmm. 
I did a, we do a lot of like fantasy sword and sorcery, the uh, prose writing. And so kind of getting more into that fantastical realm is uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be fun to explain to the podcast Magic War once we get there. Yeah, have fun with that. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, now then you'll know what I felt like when I had to unwrap a hundred issues of TMNT. Yeah. Or oh, every time yeah. I talk about X Men. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I mean, just it's... I just glaze over. All right. Oh man, like I remember, I was setting up all the Thieves Guild stuff in Black Hat. I had to go and basically read all the Thieves Guild appearances, oh, try to make it make sense to me. Yeah, so it's like a lot of old Gambit issues. Yeah, and then, the two miniseries. Yeah, yeah, and it's like okay, so there's a, there's a Thieves Guild, and there's an Assassins Guild, there's also Thieves Guilds in other cities, in other countries, and then this and that and the other, and then but oh, but the New York Thieves Guild is different, I guess. So <laughs> I, I had to construct like my, my unified theory of uh, Thieves Guilds, which uh, that's the thing about doing this this kind of like superhero comic stuff is eventually you find yourself becoming uh, possibly the world's greatest expert on extremely niche things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was talking to uh, Ed Brisson about that a little while ago, and he's like, yeah, I, I think I know more about uh, Cable and the Ascani than anybody else in the world at this oh, point man. in time. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I guess I got off easy just having to read a bunch of old Gambit issues. Right. Yeah, the Cable lures uh, so much. It just seems so convoluted. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Well, when you've been time traveling for as long as Cable has, things get a little strange. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay, great. So uh, again, thank you again. So um, before we we let you go, can you tell everyone where um, where everyone can find you on the socials? Yeah, for sure. Um, my basically my main point of social media interaction with. The greater world is just my Twitter. It's uh, twitter.com slash Jed McKay, J-E-D-M-A-C-K-A-Y. Uh, that's where, you know, basically just tweet my crass opinions and <laughs> usually just hype or plug my own books. Perfect. That's what Twitter's for, right? Yeah, that's how we I, found you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's, uh, <laughs> you put your name and your handle and that's about all you can do. Right, right. exactly. All right, well, thanks so much for uh, for sitting down with us and taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. We've been loving the stuff you've been putting out lately. We've been talking about it a lot, so it was it, it was good to get uh to get you on the show. And uh, oh, hopefully, great. we'll get to talk about some stuff with you uh, somewhere down the line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just uh, send me a message. I'll always down to chat. Awesome, great. All right, well, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it was great to chat. Great to talk to you guys. Of Same. course, anytime. And thank mm-hmm. thank you again. No, not at all. So, uh, so that's it for us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Week's Comics. Um, also, uh, think about supporting our Patreon at DuelingGenre.com/support. And please, as always, support your local comic shops. Get out there, buy some comics, and we'll see you next time. For myself, Casey, Sean, and RJ, and our special guest Jed McKay, this is Tales from the Short Box. Goodbye, everybody.